Hello, everyone. My name is Walia Eaglehawk, and I'm the BTS theorist. I'm a sociologist, a social theorist, a full-time army, and the author of Idol Limerence, The Art of Loving BTS as Phenomena. I make books all about BTS and army, and now I'm making podcasts too. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> on The BTS Theorist, I want to bring to you stories from within the fandom and new perspectives on BTS and army. Think of this as a place where I share ideas, experiences, and observations all about those seven men we love so much and the fandom that journeys next to them. Plus, I'll bring in people to interview from time to time, such as today, just to keep it fresh. If you're an army, it's so good to have you here. If you're a curious onlooker, hi. I hope you find this episode informative and that you walk away with a better understanding of just what makes BTS and ARMY so good. So, on today's episode, I am fortunate enough to be interviewing an essayist from my latest book project, I Am ARMY, We Don't Need Permission, once again. It has been um, a super fun week for me as I get to talk to all these essayists that I have known for for the better part of nearly two years now um, as we have developed this book and waited and waited and developed and edited um, and rewritten and waited some more. And finally, I get to sit down with them to learn more about their essay and what their worlds look like because I just can't get enough of army stories, to be honest, and I'm so glad to be bringing another amazing one to you today. Um, oh, yeah, so... About the book, well, it features a collection of essays from ARMY from all around the world that share their stories of how they found BTS and who on earth they are. Today, I am joined by Ashley Sue Bullers, who is a soul explorer and artist living in the Bangtan Vortex. She created the Bangtan Soul Community and Epiphanatics podcast, <laughs> yeah, got it, um, where she and ARMY explore the intersection of midlife, mental health, and BTS. Her essay, Permission, which actually inspired the subtitle of the book, so hello, hello, um, shares the story of how she went from nearly taking her own life to going down a path of self-discovery with BTS and ARMY. And um, yeah, just a little heads up to people who are listening, we will be talking about attempted suicide and other heavy topics within today's podcast. Um, we're also going to have some fun as well, but just in case any of that is triggering, triggering for you, I would suggest um, skipping this episode. But for everyone else, let's dig in. Hello, Ashley Sue. Welcome to my podcast. Hi. Thank you so much. For, <laughs> thank you. Seriously. Thank you for um, for having me and for creating this book and this piece of the tapestry of humanity and Bangtan. Well, thank you so much. Um, Ashley Sue, I have known you for a little bit on Instagram as this person who sends me long paragraphs. Um <laughs> I'm already, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just just talking about things. But also um, I think you originally read my books and yeah. then messaged me about them and then eventually you submitted an essay for I Am Army and then you got accepted and now here we are. We're finally doing a face-to-face -face after all this time. You, you bloody oh, made it, mate. Where'd you go? Like, oh, yeah, no, don't worry. If I disappear, I am still here. You have it's completely okay. frozen. I cannot. That's okay. Okay, there you are. That's okay. Yeah, yeah. So the, the cool thing um, that what we're doing here today, we're recording not on Zoom. So if I disappear, it's okay. Everyone else will be able to see and hear me. So if I disappear, um, just pretend that I'm still there and smile and laugh. That was the part that scared me. Like, oh, yeah. Was like, There's no sound. I'm still here. Yeah. I'm just, I'm the poltergeist. I'm here to haunt you in your art room. Um, 
the, the very Aussie poltergeist. Um, so yeah, don't worry. Just smile and laugh as if I'm real funny. You know, if okay. I disappear, um, I be like, ha ha, you are <laughs> hilarious. Okay. Anyway, everyone, <laughs> that's how you know this is a very live one shot recording of yeah. this podcast. Um, it's like, no, where did she go? <laughs> yeah, I already messed up. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, you could never mess up. It's okay. It kind of adds to the authenticity of the army experience. Um, yeah. Mm, technical delays like oh there was that live stream okay sorry I'm gonna digress for one second what was the live stream were they um permission to dance was it like Las Vegas or something or LA but there was like one live stream where it went really demonic at the end um and it like froze and um unless that was the concert that you were in attendance at everyone else was watching online and it got very very strange very very fast no I watched that and that happened in the day that I was there for LA which was not live streamed um, they had a delay coming out on stage for the same reason. Like the everything, their screen behind them, mm. one half of it completely stopped working before, <laughs> right before, oh, no. right before they were supposed to come on stage. Oh, because so, they for their entrance, they really used that. Um, was that for like the whole the butter concept where they're like behind the the cage or whatever? Yeah, I yeah, can't even remember. Yeah. Hey, with the key in his mouth. And uh, oh, Mr. Clippy. Yeah. <laughs> from the pandemic and from, yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. Wow. All right. So everyone, we have done our little um, divergence. So now Sorry. we can focus. <laughs> on, yeah. Hey, I think, I think this is great. We're already vibing. So Ashley Sue, this is actually all about you. So I'm going to let you talk for a little bit. So can you take me back to the beginning um what was your life like before you found bts like who are you where are you what do you do <laughs> just tell us all about you because i want to get a really like rich idea of your world prior to everything changing uh i am a romantic and a dreamer at heart and have been since i was ultra tiny the world was magic to me relationships were about connection I wanted my friends to be soulmates, my future husband to be a soulmate, and that was the dream. And so then when uh, my first love was a man who I met when I was in the, well, I met him in the fourth grade. He was my first actual relationship in the eighth and ninth grade. And then at 19, we got together again. It was like, I don't know if you ever watched Boy Meets World or if I'm just aging myself here. But it was, uh, I'm, I'm going to end up marrying the love of my life, a boy that I grew up with. And he, however, isn't as sentimental and fairy tale driven, I guess, as I am. And also, we just have a lot of differences, which can make for an initial attraction, but not necessarily um, long-term compatibility. Anyhow spent our 20s just trying to and see I, I can't even talk about my 20s without it being us like I had there was no me and I didn't realize that until I was in my 40s now but in our 20s we were trying to figure out what we're going to go to school for are we getting married or not because I was ready and he wasn't we got married when we turned 30 so then our 30s became about well are we having kids or not and then I started dealing with things like infertility and then my, my father's suicide. And meanwhile, in the course of that 20-year period, 
I became more and more unhappy and I couldn't figure out why because I was married to a good man who I've known since I was a kid and we are comfortable in our lives. So I, I couldn't quite figure out what was wrong. And then at 38, we ended up adopting a brother and sister. And it was a dream come true. And then somehow it was even worse than everything had been before that. So everything I kept thinking, well, I'm not happy now, but when we get married, it'll be good. Well, we're struggling right now, but it's because we want to become parents. So that'll fix things. And about a year into being parents, I realized he and I were unable to have conversations together. Everything was purely transactional and functional. You know, have the kids eaten? Did you take the trash out? And I realized I had no other relationships in my life. I had no friends. I had didn't want to talk to my family because I was unhappy and didn't know how to explain that I was unhappy. I didn't have any hobbies. It, it, but I had become a wife and mother, which from a young age I had been told was the dream. That is the thing to do. If you do that every, my dad said, your life means nothing if you don't have kids. My mom said, you need to find a good man and always make him your number one priority. And if you do these two things, everything will be great. Um, and I still couldn't figure out that that was the problem. I just knew everything felt very wrong, even though everything had fallen into place. And I was so lonely and so boring, not bored. I was boring. I had, I had nothing. I, I offered nothing to anyone. Um, and then I just felt really broken. I, my husband couldn't figure out why I was upset and I didn't know how to explain it to him. And, and there we were, it just, <laughs> I, I felt irreparably broken. Yeah. Yeah, I can't imagine um, to have known someone for so long and to get to a point like so far down the track when you are like, you know, a fully blown adult and be like, holy shit, like how did I get here? How come we don't even like know each other or connect or, you know, and who am right. I? That's terrifying. It, it is. It was it, it was my life dream, my life nightmare. You know, my dream was to become a happy wife and a happy mother but I had even said to him in our 20s that my lifelong nightmare was for him to wake up one day and look at me like I was an obligation in his life and not a choice anymore. Mm. And um, I definitely had had gotten to where I felt like that was what our dynamic was. So Yeah. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. All right. Uh. Okay, well, there's an excerpt um, that's probably a good time for you to read this one out now because it's related to this um, from your essay that kind of can just help us um, enrich our understanding of where you're at and what this experience was like for you. Do you mind reading it out? Sure. One day I had become too scared of myself that I begged my husband for help in a true act of desperation. I felt I was gasping my last breaths, begging for resuscitation. That was November 2019. 
becoming mama had somehow created unprecedented loneliness, both in our marriage and within myself. We were 100 miles away from any family or friends and emotionally miles away from each other, with the distance only growing. I admitted in choking sobs to my husband, my person, that I was a few months into planning my suicide. Sorry. <laughs> I told him that I needed to go to a mental health facility and that I had looked some up. He hugged me tightly. And within a few hours, we resumed the day like nothing had happened. The next day I sat down, I was sat down <laughs> and told to find another therapist, maybe go for more walks and maybe wear more makeup to feel better. I was told sternly, factually, what my assignment was, and the conversation was over. Wow. I, I cannot imagine what it's like to firstly reach out and be like, hey, I really need help, like, and I need your help, my person, and then um, to not get that help and then also to be told, um, I don't know, go for some walks, wear more makeup. <laughs> And just to spit this out here, he doesn't like makeup, so he wasn't saying that for his own benefit. Uh, wow. He genuinely thought it would help you feel better. He genuinely thought, like, he was like, you like it. I don't, but maybe it'll make you, maybe it'll fix this. Yeah. Uh, okay. That's so, that is so painful. And, um, like, how did you feel in that moment? Angry. Oh, so mad. I, I sat there. I mean, I was sat down, not even next to him. I was sat down in a chair and then he sat in a couch across the room from me with a clipboard. I, I mean, I, I felt like a child and I, I became very mad. I said nothing. I didn't, I, and at that point still didn't talk back about anything. I still very much believed you don't ruffle feathers. But I sat there seething and I was like, well, what I gathered from this is if I survive this, I'm going to have to do it alone. And that was that. That was November 2019. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Holy crap. Okay. Well, that's, you know, a pretty intense experience and an intense way to start the podcast. But I think it's important because, I mean, this is real life, right? We're not going to sugarcoat it. Um, and I think so often we can, or like the, the media or the general public can misunderstand ARMY and yeah. the diverse experiences that each of us have had. So it's so important just to be like, hey, this is it. It's very freaking real. Like ARMY are actual real people having very real immediate experiences in life, just like everybody else. And this is what it looks like. Welcome yeah. to the real world, everyone. Um, <laughs> okay. So, um, intertwined with this or like around the same time, like, can you just tell me what it was like when you first came across BTS? Like what year was it? Where were you? What were you doing? Um, paint the picture of that fateful moment yeah. and were you like, were you instantly a fan or was it something that evolved over time? Yeah, actually, you know, after being sat down and coached, pep talked through being suicidal, um, and to be fair, I understand there is no playbook for him on what to do when your wife comes and says, I need to be checked into a patient facility because I'm not going to survive. However, that was still the absolute worst <laughs> way I could think of. Um, 
but I wanted, I wanted to live. I wanted to figure out how to do it. So I did look up a, a new therapist. Um, I was not a stranger to therapy, but I got a new one. And um, I did not start wearing more makeup at that time or anything like that. But I knew I had to stop being lonely. So I turned to YouTube and I'd never been really into YouTube that much, but I turned to YouTube and started following commentary channels that were just did like 40 minute to an hour videos talking about whatever interested them. I was watching a lot of PRXO at the time, actually. I don't know if you're familiar with any of these people and Felix Shelberg, better known as PewDiePie. Um, like he does book review sometimes. And, and anyway, it, it made me feel not alone. These people became the only friendship I had and the only adult conversation I had, even if it was parasocial. I was very okay with that because it was something. And then after months, months of watching PewDiePie and PRXO, all of a sudden YouTube started forcing as the number one recommended clip for about two weeks, I think, a clip from Carpool Karaoke, which I had watched one Carpool Karaoke months earlier from about, I don't even remember who, but they kept showing up and I was like, I don't watch James Gordon show or Carpool Karaoke. Why is this on my algorithm? But after about two weeks, I was like, haven't I heard of BTS before? Like maybe I don't, and I used to years ago be really into pop culture, but I had, after my dad's suicide, I just completely lost connection with anything just about. So it was like, I kind of felt like I had heard a whisper of BTS somewhere in the world, but didn't even know how or where. But the picture of them on the carpool karaoke, there's, they're just this car full of vibrant, smiling faces. So after YouTube just kept popping that, on my number one recommended, you should watch this. I finally was like, okay, why not? And I immediately was just enamored by them, especially Mr. Namjoon, Mr. Charisma in the front seat. He was amazing. And then trying to figure out the dynamics between them. And actually, a few days later, I even told my husband, I was like, hey, I think people talk about BTS in the world. So like, if you ever hear people talking about them, watch this. It was it was hilarious and adorable. And that way, at least you'll know who they're talking about. So I watched it again. And then as soon as I got done watching it, and this is September and October of 2020. So almost a year had passed. And right after I watched it the second time, YouTube was like, hey, here's a music video. And it was dynamite. And I was like, well, sure, like, I'll watch something that they've done to go with the cute clips that I just saw. And that, I mean, it was like, it was like Disneyland on steroids. It was, it, it was all the color I had lost in my life. And I, obviously the video for Dynamite is so over the top, Technicolor, bubblegum. But at the same time, it, it made me feel like, ah, oh, that exists somewhere in the world, even if just in someone's mind. Okay. So I watched that video for a month straight. Like on constant loop for a month straight, taking in their faces, taking in their hair color, taking in their winks and their expressions and the dimples. And 
the thigh swerves, everything, just <laughs> taking it in. So yeah, for a month, that's, that was my entire, outside of being a mom, that was every ounce of my brain cells. Yeah. Wow. It was dynamite fever at your place. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, this is, this is what K-pop is and this is what BTS is. And no, it's not. That's the amazing part. Like mm -hmm. actually dynamite is not representative of BTS. And, and yet it was still what grabbed me at just the right time. Yeah. It's like a gateway drug. It's yeah. like, hello, <laughs> starting you off soft, um, you know, with, with some English stuff. And yeah. then, and then we're going to, you know, what is it? Progress to some steps that are a bit more difficult. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Good so. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, just, I feel like such a noob, but um, I was, I watched Tableau's uh, interview with Sugar the other day. And then I, ha I read about his history and um, the terrible things that had happened with him and his um, degree that he got in America. Yeah. Then I, then I decided to, cause, and within that article, I think it, it talked about the first track on the first Epic High album. And it and it said that it like opened with this beat and this this sample that is like and now we're going to progress to some steps that are a bit more difficult and I was like hold on a minute yep you know that <laughs> so, what was that and the fact that um I think the album was called something oh my gosh I'm gonna I'm gonna make a fool of myself something like Map of the Human Soul yes. and then that BTS went on and did Map of the Soul um I was like oh there are links everywhere and I think that's so cool um you know, and I like that about hip hop culture as well, that you can use the similar samples or the same samples um, to give an, like an ode or a nod or a reference to someone that you really respect. Anyway, that was my, anyway, that's why I'm thinking about it. That's why it was in my head. Cause I, just the other day I was like, wow, I've connected the dots that everyone else already knew. <laughs> like everyone else was already all over it when, you know, BTS released um, their first album, and it's on the first track. I'm sure everyone was like, oh, yeah, epic high. Um, but here I am nearly 10 years later figuring it out. But I figured it out the same time you did. It was that same article. I saw. Oh, I really? <laughs> and I learned all of it myself. So, <laughs> Wow. You never walk alone in this fandom. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Okay. We're on the slow path, obviously. But hey, we're, we're on it. Um, I, I digress. So were you um, at this point with, with Dynamite and everything, were you instantly an ARMY? Like, did you know who ARMY were? Like, what was that all like? Because I remember being like, I, I got my first taste of BTS with another Technicolor um, frenzy of Idol. Um, and I went into the rabbit hole with that. And then it took me like a whole, it was like a whole other saga um, finding out who army are i'm like what is army what why why am i hearing this word who am i <laughs> i don't know anything anymore was it the same for you or did you just kind of slide on in there um i i definitely was very i resisted i resisted a lot because at first I, after about a month okay i'm gonna be really honest I, I i still didn't need i was like i don't need to know people's names i don't need to do this and like the thing is i didn't even know that was a thing but i was like i don't need to do this but then i was like I need to figure out how old they are because watching dynamite, I get very mixed messages and my brain as, as I got older, when you're in your forties, you can look at someone and you can see them as a 40 year old. You can see them as a 20 year old. You can actually see them as like an eight year old it, it rings of the tree and you can see all the rings. So I was trying to figure out how old 
it turns out it was JK and Taehyung. I was trying to figure out how old they were because I assumed they were the two oldest. So my mind was blown when I just did a quick preemptive search and discovered, no, they are the babies of the group and they were way younger than I anticipated even. Um, and that was my first discovery of the word army and the symbol for army. And I was like, oh, that's neat. I like them. I clicked and I was like, whoa, whoa, this is a thing. And it's probably for teenagers and it's, it, I'm going to cringe. I don't want to be cringy. No, I'm not, I'm not one of those. So I, you know, I backed out, I backed out of that door real quick, but it was the day that the day they actually saved my life because dynamite is not what saved my life. But the day that actually saved my life that I was like, oh crap, I don't know what's coming ahead, but whatever it is, that's what I am. I, I'm an army. I don't even know what that means yet. If I'm cringe before it, then, then I am. And I have no idea where my life is going from here, but poof. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. So, okay. Well, seeing as you brought it up, um, can you share just a little about the day you decided to take your life? So of course we're familiar with like kind of a bit of the lead up and everything, but, um, like you don't even need to go into deep detail, but like, just cause we've got an excerpt for you to read out. Um, but like, give us a little preamble to that and then maybe read out the excerpt because that's where things get in the essay. It's like, woof. Here yeah. we go. Um, and then it can really put into perspective everything for everyone. Yeah. I, at that point, it was actually November again. This time it was the end of November 2020. So it's a year, just over a year from when I stood in the kitchen and told my husband that I needed him. And I had gotten through that year, but barely. And it was a very common daily occurrence for me to just randomly burst into sobbing. It didn't matter what we were doing or where we were. I just would start uncontrollably crying and no conversations were ever had about it. Nothing was ever asked. I wasn't hugged during it. I, it was a very like, okay, you're going through something and you need to figure out what it is and I'll stand nearby in case you decide to ask me for something. But I was never going to ask again when you when you ask for help and fill that door shut. So anyhow, that morning was the same, except for my son had just turned two. My daughter was actually about to turn three in the book. I called her a three-year-old, but she was about to turn three and they had gotten their first bikes. We went outside to watch them try to scoot around on their bikes for the first time. I had my camera out to record it. Like this is the mom dream, right? And I stood out there recording, sobbing, like a maniac and not because I was so elated with the moment because I was looking at my husband and thinking it's been a year when is when is any of this going to end when will I stop feeling this lonely and uh and then yeah I, I went inside so I went inside to end it I decided I was gonna get my car keys and go because I wasn't gonna do it here and yeah, that's <laughs> this is a good spot for the excerpt because that's pretty yeah. much where it picked up. Um, yeah, yeah. I took a I took a breath to to try to calm down, and I heard this whisper that 
told me to put my headphones in. I had created a playlist during my spot of, I mean, during my, my dynamite rampage, I had created a Spotify playlist, but hadn't listened to it. I was like, oh, it's in Korean and good God, it's long. And I don't know what to think about any of this. But I heard this whisper as I was about to get my car keys that told me just to sit down and put my earbuds in because it was hear them now or maybe never. So <laughs> I don't remember what song played first, but I remember Jamais Vu and Magic Shop and Begin, Save Me, Microcosmos, Stigma, Autumn Leaves, and Butterfly, Zero O'Clock, Run, A Good, Euphoria, Make It Right, An Interlude Set Me Free, a blur variety that didn't seem like it all could possibly be from the same band. I pulled over my journal and started jotting song names as the men sang. And as they sang, I, ordered, I entered some sort of fairy tale. Their voices somehow radiated from inside of me. Sparkles began floating around me. These men seemed to be singing to me. I could see them. I could feel them holding me in their arms. Sorry. <laughs> I cry a lot. Sorry. I could feel them holding me in their arms like I was a small child. And as each song changed into another, I felt seen. I felt loved. I scolded myself. What a fool. These men didn't know me. I didn't even know their names or who was singing. I didn't even know what they were saying. I really am crazy. I berated myself. Yet I kept being pulled back into waves of wonder by their voices. These men became my only will to live as the seconds turned into hours. As morning turned into night. I just wanted to hear them sing. Another wave would gently rise and my entire body felt weightless, free. The next wave would crash and in bewilderment that sound could do this. I never before had felt music in my body at the cellular and soul level. We did this for eight hours. Unable to move for food, water, or the bathroom. Occasional guilt would set in that I needed to wife or mom and yes, like verbs of obligation. But I would again burst into panic tears that I needed to face the real world and again the men would pull me even closer into a magical world. Oh, sorry. I watched as the gray sky faded into pinks, purples, and eventual darkness. I no longer felt alone, but now what? Wow. <laughs> Sorry. That's beautiful though. Oh no, it was beautiful. Um, yeah, and it's just I mean, obviously we can we can see and we can hear that the emotion is still like right right below the surface. It's still yeah. very real, um, and obviously very painful. But that's it's so beautiful as well to um I guess to bear witness through your writing to the the moment that things started to shift, you know, you were able to find connection. Yeah. Um, through that and that's that's all you needed was like in that moment just like connection something to tether you to the earth so you didn't float away right um and it felt yeah, real like I felt like they were holding me like they were singing to me mm, yeah mm. and I, I mean isn't that the the wonderful power of music you didn't even know what they were saying you didn't even know who they are yeah um wow but well, I mean like vocal line and rap line none of that was mm. even I had no clue yeah it was amazing 
Wow. And a, and a good playlist by the sound of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe you need to start marketing that like the life-saving playlist. Um, <laughs> no pressure on that playlist, but come on, we've got high hopes. Okay. So, so you end that, um, that excerpt with, but now what? So my next question for you is, um, what steps do you remember taking from such a low point in order to save yourself? What was there anything in particular? Or was it like time and more BTS, anything concrete, or did it just happen? Uh, it well, while I was sitting there, which actually this couch that's behind me during that eight hour period, I knew that I wanted to get their names tattooed on me and get something on me to symbolize that I felt seen and that I felt loved, even if it seemed nuts. Oh, so while I was sitting there, I actually drew out this picture of like waves, like I was getting these images of waves and a forest and the sky. And anyhow, so I was drawing that out and I don't have their names on me yet, but that day will come. Um, but I had talked before about getting a tattoo over the years. My husband always said it was a waste of time and money. And I was like, oh, my God, if I try to talk to him about this, it's probably going to just seem crazy and not make sense and be a waste of money. So um, I got on Amazon the next day and ordered black rope and tied seven bands on my wrist, one for each of them. I, I had it like same day delivered. And I immediately started doing research into tattoo ink. <laughs> and tattoo needles so I could tattoo myself and um and that was the first time like once I placed the order I told him I was like boxes of tattoo ink and needles are showing up at the house soon I'm going to give myself a tattoo I did not want to talk to you about it because I didn't want it to be a conversation but since you're going to see it you need to know that's going to happen and he was like okay and then I just started playing BTS music all the time. And that was, I mean, like I said, that was it. I was like, okay, I don't know what ARMY is. I might be in a flock of 13-year-old girls. And at that time, I did not realize that is internalized misogyny and self-hatred. I mean, I just didn't realize how much hatred goes into fangirling until BTS starts exposing you to so many things. Um, but I was like, I'm in this. Whatever it is, I'm in it. So I started researching them playing their music talking about them as i was learning about them and uh, I, I i was so excited i thought everybody would be excited about this about seeing me excited and instead people were like wow this is weird this is a weird phase you're in oh okay oh okay so, so now they're finally concerned <laughs> Exactly. Oh my God. The therapist, the therapist I had for all of 2020, I don't think I put this in my essay. Um, she, the whole time that I was seeing her, she was like, oh, you're doing great. You're doing great. You're doing great. And then I was like, oh my God, I've had this amazing experience. This is so much fun. I'm going to get a tattoo. I'm watching concerts. I really want to meet some people. And she was like, oh my God, these are red flags. I, I'm afraid you're going to end up killing yourself. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. <laughs> they actually stopped that from happening. Yeah, that moment's already happened, mate. <laughs> yeah. and, and she was like, no. And she even said, we need to have an emergency therapy session with your husband here so that he can be on the same page with us and make sure that you're okay. And I was like, I'm telling right. you. 
So, but I was like, if it means you <laughs> sure. And sure enough, she did the same thing that he had done. She, I sat there like a kid while she was like, Marcus, what do you think that Ashley should do to feel better? And he's like, well, I think walking would be good. She used to go, well, I was mm-hmm. like, oh my God, it is a year later and here we are. Yeah, how about walking off a cliff? You know, like what on earth? Like, but wow. I was like, okay, BTS music around the clock, including at night. I mean, just mm. whatever it, it takes. Whatever it takes. Yeah, yeah. To feel that sparkle, wow. you take mm. that in. So. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, that's how you pulled yourself through. That's incredible. Yeah. And so simple in premise, you know, no, but so I powerful. Feel, I feel bad because it sounds like a crutch to people who don't understand. I think when you Mm -hmm. tell an army this, they do understand, but other people are like, Oh wow. Like, I mean, I, I had family members who were like, and and a couple of friends even who were like, Oh, you need to turn to the Bible. You clearly have turned to Satan if you're turning toward this band. (laughs) And I was like, (sighs) well, that is, Wow. Yep. That's what we're all here to do. Um, worship Satan. Yeah. And and Jim and you know, Jimin's bowl cut or something, you know, like what on earth? Oh my goodness. Okay. So that's yeah, infuriating. Um, but hey, you know what? I say to if anyone's in crisis um wanting to take their own life and they find something that makes them want to live, who gives a fuck? Like if it's not hurting anyone else, like go hard at it, I say. Right. And the thing is, like, but I mean, it took, it didn't take long before it wasn't just about BTS. Suddenly I'm buying copies of Demian and I'm buying Carl Jung's Map, Map, Map of the Soul book and mm. reading more about psychology. And then I'm talking about art and I'm learning about rap history. And, you know, it turned into this whole tapestry. That's right. And then people were like, wow, you're really obsessed with this band. And I'm like, oh, like you're so missing the big picture. Yeah. Mm. But then I guess we can see how for a very long time um, women's desires have been turned back on them to, you know, to make them smaller and to be like, oh, you're passionate about something. Oh, you're obsessive. You're crazy. Right. You need to like dump, dull it down and just, you know, read the Bible or go back to being just a mum or just a wife or right. whatever. Um, but nowhere, all of us, um, every single human, like, we've got range. <laughs> we've got a lot of things that we can do and want to do. Um, multi-dimensional beings, um, yeah. we can do it all. So just to be reduced to obsessive is an insult to our magnificence. Um, right. so I guess that's, that's the pain as, that we feel as army. So that people don't actually get that being army and being, um, in relationship with BTS as like fan idol or whatever enriches our lives and our experiences and in turn allows us to enrich the experiences of everyone we come into contact with as I'm sure you were doing as well um I digress <laughs> um so this is interesting because I, I read this a lot in people's writing and it seems to be a natural progression when you get into the realm of listening to bts and consuming their content but the general next step usually looks a lot like a love yourself journey um, and so what did this look like for you? Like, how did you approach it? How did you find out about, you know, love yourself, speak yourself? And yeah, just, just tell us a little bit about that. So after November 29th, the day in 2020 that I was saved by BTS, 
I, d- I dove in, I'm pulling up album names, I'm figuring out what order things came in. Um, I wasn't willing to read too much too fast about them as people because I was terrified that they were going to be a bunch of jerks somehow, that something was going to ruin this for me. And I was like, I'm not ready to have the veil lifted. And um, and I didn't know at the time that there were so many videos. Like the algorithm handed me then like fake love and black swan and on. So I was like, oh, I guess this is their whole music video journey. I'll watch these. And I watched them on loop also. But then as I was researching the discography, I saw the Love Yourself series. And I was like, ooh, there's the teen girl phase. There's there's the fangirl section that like, it, it made me uncomfortable. And I didn't question why. And I now know when you feel those feelings, you have to question whose voice, whose voice is telling you to be uncomfortable by that and why. But I was like, oh, no, nope. Like there, that's the spot. That's the spot I'm going to avoid. I'm going to avoid that mm, later. And not even realizing some of the songs that had moved me were directly from that period. I hadn't figured that out yet. But there was this night, it was a full moon in December. And I was standing on the back porch crying as per usual and looked up and asked God, God, how do I heal? What do I do? And before I could get the sentence out out loud, I heard a whisper. And this sounds so crazy, I know, but I heard a whisper that said, love yourself. And at the time, I actually had in my earbuds listening, and it was Trivia Love. It was Namjoon singing Trivia Love, me not even realizing that's from the Love Yourself era also. Um, But I was like, oh, like if that's the answer and there happens to be a trilogy of albums here, I guess it's time to figure out what that era was about and who the men are in, in relation to that and what it meant to them and how that relates to me. So, yeah, it, it then was like, that was my mission. That was the assignment to take it all in, <laughs> allow it to happen. Let it wash over you. Yes. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay. So I'm curious. So in your essay and just then like you talk about God and um, it sounds like where you're from and your upbringing like is very religious. Is Am I correct in that? Yeah. Yeah. I grew up in the Baptist church. I am in the Bible Belt of the South. Mm-hmm. And my parents weren't particularly religious, but my mother became so as a later adult. And... My grandmother always was, and the I don't know if Marcus would have married me if we hadn't become Christians, and it was sort of a similar thing. Like we, neither of us had shown signs as adults of being into the church or anything or Christianity even. And then when I was twenty nine, I kind of had a whisper that said, "You need to go camping. You need to talk to Jesus. You need to figure out who Jesus is." So. I told Marcus then, I was like, this is going to sound crazy because I know that I'm not religious and haven't been as an adult, but kind of felt like I received this message to go do this. And he was like, well, I've secretly been reading the Bible for a little while. And I was like, what? And we had been dating for a decade at that point. And he proposed to me within just a couple months of 
of us both realizing we were sort of on a Christian path. We never joined a church. I'm kind of put off by the whole concept of having to be a respectful, respectable woman of a certain age, respectable church woman. Like to me, that doesn't feel like what faith is really about. Not trying to knock all churches, just, (laughs) um, yeah, I think, yeah, like also in America, from what I've seen, like organized religion is incredibly um, capitalistic as well. So it can be really hard to be like yeah. to actually see the community and the faith within that when it's all flashing lights and um, tax cuts and other things, you know, like there's a lot of other things that seem to be going on within that picture. Yeah. So I, I feel that. Okay, that's really interesting. All right. So on a similar note, <laughs> do you believe that – um BTS and being an army has like a healing capacity and what does this look like in your life does it has it brought you closer to anyone um of course it's like army can get you new friends have you found new friends what has that been like because I know one of the key tensions for you was that you were incredibly lonely um so has that has that changed incredibly and I love that the way you ask that is our BTS and army healing because while BTS is not BTS without ARMY, and obviously ARMY is not ARMY without BTS, the two separate entities both have very distinct healing powers. You know, BTS, I I had no ARMY to support me the day that BTS did. And they have a gift that they never could have asked for and that frankly, I don't think anybody ever would ask for a gift of impacting people so profoundly. But then to be army also, when you realize how fully invested and full of heart army is and to be somewhere where army is, like for anybody listening who has never been to one of the concert experiences, um, I, I want every single army to be able to experience just being with other army because it really it's like a dynamic power shift you can feel the the energy of the world shifting in a good way and um bts really took me down a path you know i let i let namjoon walk the alphabet to get to me i let jimin love me when he asked to um BTS themselves and their messages. And then like when you fall down the rabbit hole of getting to know who they are and learning their own journeys, it can be internalized in a really beautiful way. And then I still was like, why do I feel like I'm the only adult woman in the world who likes them? Because if you look up reactors, it's often men. It's a heavy pool of men. And that's shifted some in the last year or two. But In 2020, it seemed like most of the reaction channels were very popular channels of men reacting. And they were like, this is so cool. Like, look at them dance. And that's awesome. But I felt like, oh, man. And I had read an article that there was an adult women's group that got together in L.A. to celebrate BTS back in 2019. So it was like, they do exist. I'll start a YouTube channel. And if anybody – and it was never meant to be about reactions. It was – just meant to talk about different songs and videos and how they were impacting me. 
And that if anybody out there felt alone in their life, alone as an army, that they might look for somebody and find me and just see that they weren't alone. Well, I immediately started getting messages from people from all over the world talking about how they understood about feeling alone and welcoming me into Army. Lyndon is actually one of the people, one of the very first people who ever sent me a message. And Really? Uh, yeah, and he's an essayist, but he was yeah. one of the very first people who sent me the super loving message. And then one DM in particular was from a woman who's a little bit older than I am. I call her Leanne in the book. That's um, not her first name. That's her middle name. But Leanne reached out to me because she had found my channel and told me she was actually embarrassed reaching out to me because I had no idea who she is. But she felt very seen and loved just having seen my video. And she happened to throw her phone number out at me and was like, and even right there as she was like writing it out, she was like, I can't believe I'm doing this. I probably sound like a complete creep. And I thought, my God, she's, that, I mean, isn't that what we feel with our, when we're watching the live stream of JK or Namjoon, we're feeling like, why do I feel like you're singing to me or talking to me when you don't actually know me? But it's, but the thing is, is like when Leanne wrote me, I was like, but you're, you're who I was looking for. It is you. So we actually started messaging, I think, in April of 2021. And it became a thing where every morning we were sending each other thoughts, what we were crying about, what, you know, if we hit play on the BTS Oracle Spotify, like, what song do I need to know here today? Is it not today or is it euphoria? Like, and just whatever meditations we were feeling in our soul, we started to connect, which was incredible. And then the real kicker is my sister and I had actually had, she's older than I am. We've had an estranged relationship for several years, honestly, just kind of kinked up family dynamics that I didn't want to have anything to do with anymore. And we hadn't even seen each other or talked in a couple of years, about a couple of years. That August, August of 2021, my other sister planned a beach trip for all of us. And when I got there, I was dreading it. I was like, I don't want to see anybody. This is, ugh. I just want to stay home and watch BTS. <laughs> but my sister, who I had been estranged from, Bonnie, she was like, hey, I hope this doesn't make you uncomfortable. I found your videos on YouTube, and I don't know anything about this band, but I see a sparkle in your eyes again that you lost a long time ago. And it's so good to see you feeling alive. Can you tell me more about this band and your experience with them? And I had no idea she was going to become ARMY. I just, but I, at the same time, that had healing power for me because I was like, she sees, she sees that, that something good has happened in me. And, and Lord, she fell down the rabbit hole, I mean, instantly, like, boom, she was all in also. So then in December, when, when the Permission to Dance tour in LA was announced, without hesitation, Leanne and Bonnie and I, we were all in. We were. <laughs> oh, my gosh, that is so exciting. The fact that you went from, 
not having anyone to share it with, having people tell you that you're legitimately like crazy for liking BTS to having your sister of all people and someone random from the internet that you've connected with so deeply. Like, so can you tell us, like you went to see them? What, what was that like? Like that must be pretty big going, you know, when you're, when your own family is kind of against it or they don't really get it to be like, Oh, by the way, I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to go fly and I'm going to go see BTS. Yeah. Uh, the night the tour was announced, it did not immediately occur to me to go. I, in fact, was like, well, that sucks. That sucks is in California. I've barely left North Carolina, which is the other side of the country. Uh, I was like, I guess I won't be able to go. That's sad. Maybe they'll do a world tour next year. Maybe they'll come closer to my state. And then that night I was laying in bed next to my husband and thought, wait a minute, who said I can't go? why why didn't we have a conversation like how how did how did it go straight from there's a tour to no so i pulled up my phone panicking i thought i was gonna have a heart attack in bed and i'm not saying that lightly panicking and pulled up my phone under the blankets and immediately booked an airbnb for the dates of the concert and then was like okay okay i don't even know if i'll be able to get tickets but if i can I'm getting tickets. And if I have to go alone, I'll go alone. I don't even care. And then I reached out to Leanne and Bonnie and let them know. And they both were like, holy crap, are we doing this? Okay, we're doing this. And having to inform, inform my husband, which is not something that I was accustomed to doing, informing him, I'm going on a trip. These are the dates. Um, This is planned felt very awkward and honestly it felt like nail in the coffin to me of our marriage and on the plane which I talk about in the book I on the way there I panicked because I've I've not flown before and I've never gone anywhere before like this was all so different and I was terrified as the plane was taking off I was already like oh my god we're gonna crash and I'm gonna die and As the panic set in, all of a sudden I could hear euphoria playing in my head because I didn't even have my earbuds on yet. And I started thinking about everything that had happened in the last year, going from being so alone to being on a plane on my way to LA to see, to meet Leanne for the first time, to be with my sister and to be with BTS. And I had this like, oh my God, I'm going to crash. And I was like, oh my God, it doesn't even matter. It it doesn't even matter if the plane crashes. My life is better. I'm healed. Like, not that I'm perfectly happy or everything's right, but I know that everything's okay. And they brought joy in my life again. And if I die on the way to see them, as far as I'm consider, I've, I've succeeded. But I made it, which was great, too. <laughs> and... And I had no clue that being in a hotel full of army was going to be such a cool experience. Like, it's like being with all your long lost best friends that, you know, some army hold off to themselves, but there are army who like, the second they see you, if you're wearing purple or you've got a shooky on your head, they're yelling across the lobby for you. Hey, glad you made it. Come on over and want to talk to you. And, and that was cool. And then of course, Seeing the guys, we actually screamed. We got into the stadium, got in our seats, and then screamed because we couldn't believe we were actually there, that it had happened. And 
we were not super close. So we were like, oh, is this a shame? But like, no, it, it was palpable. Like the power of each of the men, the softness of each of the men. It, it was just like that day that they saved me. It was like being hugged by them and having them sing, sing directly to us. And yet looking around at a sea of army bombs and people who are screaming fan chants and screaming when different people have parts and, and the power of fangirling. It was so good. It was, I'm sorry. I'm so long winded, but it was so good. <laughs> oh, that's so good. It makes me want to go. Um, I've still to. not seen them. Um, I was very close. I I was adjacent. I was adjacent. (laughs) So, but I I can, I can totally relate because it's also just the power of being, I, because I got to go to Busan um, because I I had a feeling that it would be my last chance for a while to even try to see them. Got to go to the live play. So I was around at what, I think it was 10 or 12,000 army. Um, It was a bit more subdued because I think we were all a bit, uh deflated <laughs> that we weren't oh, you know so like, the yeah. vibe was like some parts were like woo, and other parts were like huh, I'm so sad so but it was like it feels really good to be around for the first time other people that just get it and everyone's just there for the one purpose of loving BTS and connecting yeah. um so I, I totally feel that um so I hope I do hope everyone gets that experience but also I hope I get that first sorry everyone else 2025 um <laughs> get in I line <laughs> You've earned it. If, if, if there's a thing about earning it, you you have. Wow, you've heard it here first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ashley Sue said I can. Um, so if Hybe, um, can someone tell Hybe that Ashley Sue said I I earned it? Um, I think that's how it works, right? Okay. Yeah, I don't need permission. Just let me in. Um, okay. So that's kind of where you ended your essay, like this amazing, uplifting moment if I do remember correctly. Oh, my goodness. Um, so what I'm curious to know, and we are we are drawing to the end. We've nearly spoken for an hour. Um, yeah. Since since all of that happened, what what has changed? Like, And since writing the essay, because I know the whole essay writing process, you know, that's been a year and a half. So surely something's happened. Yeah, what's, much, what's your life like now? I came home from L.A. and pretty much immediately wrote the essay. I wanted to write everything while it was very fresh and submit it then. And I thought for sure from that moment forward would be like the unraveling of my marriage, the figuring out the next steps. And instead, you know, 2022 started, I immediately fell and got super injured. That was a very fluke situation, but it made a lot of anger bubble up to, yeah, made a lot of anger bubble up. And I I just flat out told my husband. Like, I feel like you have your head in a hole about everything. I feel like I'm invisible to you. And this is not a suitable experience for you or me. And to call this a marriage or a relationship. And he immediately told me that he really wanted to make things work out. It was the first time that he, and he, he cried. He doesn't cry. He cried. He said he was all in that, you know, he, he wanted us to be all in. So I gave myself, you know, not to sound cornball here, I gave myself permission to say, okay, okay, because you have been the love of my life and the person that I've built this with and, and dreamt of my future being with, and we have kids together and we have all the reasons and all the history to try to make this happen. 20, I'll cut short, 2022 was a utter 
about cussed. Um, it was brutal. It was a disaster of a year as far as the oh, like, a, like a dumpster fire shit show. You can, you can, you can cuss. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Shit show. Great. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, I thought it was for nothing. In fact, the whole year I became more and more depressed as, as I kept giving faith to my marriage, I was putting myself on hold again, the things I wanted to do, the artistic and professional aspirations that I have limited pockets of time to do, I was putting on hold to read marriage books and to try to sit and have conversations to heal together. But I felt like he immediately had backtracked on me and that's his side of the story to tell and not mine, but it dragged on for the majority of the year to where by the end of the year, I felt like an embarrassment because, because my essay, honestly, I was like, I finished on this great note of like not needing permission. And here I have almost re-imprisoned myself again, in a sense. And I just felt like I'd let myself and everybody down. But then I sort of had this epiphany of like, wait a minute, things are different now because I do know what love feels like. And I didn't in 2019 when I was this level of depressed. But this year, not not only Leanne, not only my sister Bonnie, but a friend, Laurie, who I ended up going to the Vegas concert with also. Um, Laurie and I started to become close toward the end of 2021 and through all of 2022. I have a tendency to go into isolation and self-sabotage when I feel like I'm screwing up and don't know what else to do. So that's when I'd hide. Well, my new friends and my sister, they called me on that. You know, they, instead of just letting me slink away, they would hold up a mirror and say, hey, listen, I need to know you're okay. And if you're not okay, I need you to be willing to be vulnerable and to trust me that I can handle your pain. And all I could think is like marriage vows are all about joy doubled and sorrows halved. But it took me having friends in the Bangtan vortex to get what that really feels like and to know what it feels like to be loved even with my shadowy sides. Um, I've realized that I'm very resilient. Um, I did. Uh, again, the marriage stuff is still... Uh, a, a, a sort of colossal mess as we try to unravel it again because there are also two young kids involved but I found myself a union therapist been going to him now since last May and it's been a fun and at times scary journey of allowing myself to feel the things I feel to be honest and say things that make my husband uncomfortable and realize it that that literally might be the last nail the last thing where where my entire life is thrown into upheaval um yeah i i don't know i i, I so wish i could say like oh it all worked out great either my marriage worked out great or oh it all worked out great i left my husband he's happier i'm happier and la di da but instead, like now I'm to the point where I'm like, okay, I'm no longer putting myself on hold. That's the big thing. For As last year ended, I realized I don't have to put myself on hold for him or us or anything. 
I need to work on the projects that have been in my heart ever since BTS entered my heart. And that will either serve our relationship or, or our relationship isn't serving us. So anyway, I'm babbling. I'm wow. sorry. No. Okay. Well, I think it's really important, you know, after hearing all of that, just to know that the work is never done. Um, and that's the, you know, that's the takeaway. It's unfortunate because you this. want it to be. Oh yeah. But then, then you're dead. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> that's the only time the work is done, right? Like, cause to, to live is to be putting in the work and, um, yeah. and marriage relationships, you know, it's complicated. It's so complicated and there's no just like, Oh, make it work. Or, oh, just leave. Um, yeah. So I think that's, so it's kind of, it's the very real, you know, update because yeah. it would be kind of unrealistic if it's like, oh yeah, I left him and now look at me, I'm doing great. Like that's, that's not the reality for most people. Um, yeah. And even if you did leave him, that would just be another journey of something else that wouldn't necessarily be easy at the start because you have been together for so long and you have children and, you know, it's all, it's all what it needs to be yeah. for you right and now. That's, that's what it, it sounds like. It took me a year to figure that out because I have made big changes, big, you know, big steps, momentum, right? It, mm -hmm. it, it often isn't just like a rip the bandaid off and now my life is wildly different. For some people, it does get to be that. But for me, it's been making steps toward momentum, which frankly is part of why I wrote the essay. I got back and I was like, I don't want it. I don't want what me going me going meant something. Mm. I don't want to let go of that. So I have to keep pushing that momentum. So by writing it out and being like, this might end up in a book, <laughs> <laughs> which is why I nearly self-sabotaged just even finishing the release form to get to you. That was, mm. that was me being like, holy crap. Am I really, oh, really? Gonna, am I really going to allow this to be Another step in the momentum of me yeah. moving and moving on and whatever that turns into. Yeah. Well, I think it's beautiful because what I've heard and what I know from reading your essay is that every step of the way you've taken up more space and you've reclaimed parts of yourself and you've discovered new parts of yourself, even if that means that everything else goes to shit or falls apart or people think you're crazy. So that, that yeah. takes some big, some big balls. Um, <laughs> and that's, I guess that's what being an army is all about. Like you get, yeah. you get some pretty big kahunas. Um, you do. So thanks for showing us your balls in today's podcast. I want to end, I want to, <laughs> I want to end on um, a lighter, the lightest note that we might have apart from me talking about your balls. Um, very quickly. All right. What is your favorite BTS era music video and song? That is so hard for me because everything is so interwoven for me. If I go with era, I have to go with Map of the Soul, not specifically because the songs are inherently better, but because that is when the kind of grand reveal of everything having connected so beautifully really manifest. But then at the same time, this whole new chapter two thing actually is... <laughs> their proof that it, it didn't finish with map of the soul it's not like they yeah. landed so the fact that now they're in this transition and creating momentum is important and significant also i love how it all connects a music video again man hard stuff black swan i just remember watching it and being like who are these men 
doing ballet? Like what is happening here and what is happening in my brain? But at the same time, I had the same reaction to Save Me, which was such a stripped down music <sighs> video. Yeah. And, and they look freezing cold. That's all I remember. Exactly. <laughs> so cold. And the I love whole it. one take just, and I thought how much work goes into that. So those two videos kind of stand like bookends for me. Um, and song. Oh, man. I'm going to go with something OT7 here. Probably something along the line of, well, I would say Wings. But at the same time, like Forever Young has always been one of my favorite songs. And then now that it transitions into For Youth, just like Run kind of sort of transitions into Run. Again, the way that they mm. connect things is what oh, provides endless conversation. It's just yeah. been it's amazing yeah i know oh god it is the goods all right well you've heard it here first everyone you're hearing a lot of things first today actually on this podcast but hey those are those are ashley sue's top picks and they're good ones they're good ones okay well it's time for me to wrap this up which i'm sad about but i think i think we've got some more podcasts together in on the horizon i i'm feeling it i think we're gone yeah that makes me very happy to hear. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Okay. We, we can talk about me. We can talk about you. We can talk about BTS, um, all of my favorite things. All yes. Right. Well, <laughs> Ashley, Sue, thank you so much for joining me today or your tonight. Um, I'm in the future, by the way. I know. So not Perfect. to rub it in. <laughs> um everyone you can find ashley sue on youtube oof very fancy i'm gonna go have to subs- i'm gonna have to subscribe i can't believe i haven't already so you can find her at ashley sue Bangtan soul and on instagram and twitter at ashley sue Ooh, that's like the og like you got in there quick with that username actually i didn't i just harassed what? the person who had it oh yeah should i do that someone has just walia and yeah. it's like been inactive forever i should just harangue them yeah, I, 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 I just kept letting the girl know, like, hey, we have the same name, and if you ever give that up, I want it. And um, and then finally one day she changed it to her last name, and I just poof, snatched it. Wow! Yeah. Wow! That uh, you learn something new every day. All right, everyone. <laughs> well, you can find me um on Instagram at the BTS Theorist. I paid money for that name. Um, <laughs> I paid money for that account anyway. And then <laughs> that, so that's another way you can either annoy the crap out of someone or you know. There can be money involved. Um, and you can also find me at Walia Eaglehawk. Uh, that one was a freebie on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. You can pick up a copy of I Am Army, We Don't Need Permission, which is why we're here. We are here to promote the book um, from revoltbooks.com. You can also pick it up from Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Book Depository, or really anywhere online that sells books. Or please do consider ordering through your local indie retailer just to support small business that would be grouse. Okay, everyone, I'm going to wrap up now and Ashley, Sue and I are going to keep talking off air because there's so much to say. Until next time, bye.